count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, y'all. What is going on? Thank you for joining me for the 23rd episode of the Lost Highway podcast. Um, I'm reading a book right now uh, called Grit by Angela Duckworth. And the first half of the book is really fantastic. And uh, one of the concepts that I wanted to share with y'all is the concept of effort. Okay, so effort is persistence, right? It's investing your time in a conscious effort as if you're just spending money consciously. You, you know what you're putting your time towards. If you have a talent at something in this world, whether it's creative or not, you have a talent. You combine that talent with effort and therefore that effort turns itself into a skill. Now, if you take that skill and then you can put effort with it, that creates opportunity. And then opportunity plus effort those are the ingredients for success. And we're in this really fascinating time where I'm seeing a lot of my creative friends, mainly my creative friends, because I have several friends that do not do creative jobs, and those are some of my favorite people because, because their existential crisis isn't as large um, often at uh, in regards to just the sensory inputs of life. I feel like uh, if you're a creative person, you're, you're taking a lot more of the high-resolution... Uh, 4k pixels that life throws your way and you're taking them to your person much more because honestly that's the fodder for great creation within our field um my friends who work in finance for large corporations it's a little bit different thing for them but the creative friends i'm seeing are like i'm seeing a lot of people like pivot and being like i have friends who are like amazing musicians that are like talking about getting into real estate i'm like no it's I don't think that's the vibe. I think really the thing to do right now is to like lean into who you are and bring value to the world that way. We, the thing about putting out this, the latest Cosmic Country record that I learned is that if you can provide something to the world that turns you on and you can communicate it in a way that is relevant, useful, and efficient, you will find success. And you, really the thing is, is I, if you find yourself wanting to pivot on such a way in 80 after you've already put in all these years of developing a skill and you're not finding a creative way to actually create an opportunity from that skill, you got to actually think, I, I think you want to question your level of patience that you have for an endeavor and you want to question the realizations of the goals that you have for your endeavor. I think if you can understand what your goals are, and you can understand your patience, and then you can understand the effort and the perspective that you've put into the skill that you've created, you'll see that if you're an amazing musician that went to school for music and that you're getting paid on the regular to do gigs, you're getting praised from everyone in your community for the content that you create or the, 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 the skill that you have, you shouldn't pivot. Um, I know a lot of people are saying this is a very Darwinian time, and it, it truly is, right? It truly is, but... I just want to encourage everybody to lean into who you are and believe in who you are. Um, I heard a friend of mine was telling me the other day that his manager told him nobody is waiting for the next Southern Rock record. Uh, And I was just like, I think that's such a bully thing to say. Like my friend's a Southern Rock artist. Like that's what he does. And he's fucking awesome at it. 
And I'm like, I think the world's always waiting for the next Southern Rock record. Like, Southern Rock fans are waiting for the next Southern Rock record. It's like, don't let people tell you, like, that what you do isn't valid. And, like, don't let yourself tell you that. Like, if you put in the time to develop a skill at one point and to learn, that kid is still inside of you. And that kid definitely has something to say. And the world wants to hear something from that kid. I think that's a very real thing. And the world really needs that persistence right now. Um... It's a very beautiful thing to put something out into the world and for it to bring value to other people. And uh, I think if you have the skill and you have the wherewithal to be able to do so in a creative and competitive way, I'm here for you. I'm on your team. I just want to let you know that I am rooting for you guys. Wow, that was exactly four minutes and 20 seconds. Speaking of patience, speaking of positivity, and speaking of leaning into who you are as a person and bringing value to the world in that medium, Mr. Ward Gunther is our next guest on the podcast today, and there is no better individual to, to bring on. Um, the One of the founders of Whiskey Jam, but the main, the main uh, engine and the main driver, the chief behind the operation, if you will. Um, is Ward and he's an absolutely fantastic and standout individual we've been friends for about four years now and he's um, had me appear on uh, albums that Whiskey Jam has put out uh, has had me play uh, the Whiskey Jam event over a dozen times and anyone who's been to Nashville knows of Whiskey Jam uh, it's it's a, a literal pulse as to what the city is and what the city is, be- is becoming um, he's a fantastic father, has an amazing sense of, of culture on just a general scale, is a very compassionate and uh, intelligent listener and consumer of music, um, hyper-intelligent individual, and it was a really um, fantastic conversation. Now, we did have this conversation pre-COVID, so some of the terminology is going to feel a little dated here, um, but I, I also want to congratulate him on his recent endeavor that he's launched with Apple Music, so I want to encourage you guys to, after this podcast, go out and check out what Ward is doing with Apple Music. It is absolutely fantastic and frankly, in terms of modern media, sincerely groundbreaking. Very excited to see what he does with it. With no further ado, Mr. Ward Gunther of Whiskey Jam. I feel like these days it's easy to uh, be fancier than you actually are. I'll be fancy in my shoes. Okay. I'll, I'll always go there. You know, like, you can't. I think there's a there's a, a self-deprecation about shoes where you're like, even if you outdo yourselves or in your budget, you still like we're putting on your feet and yeah. wearing it around to walk like the streets in. So it's kind of like a, what'd you do that for, you dummy? You know, with a watch, watch that lasts forever. Carl represents you for a long time. Shoes, you're like, you can step in a puddle today and ruin those Bothers new things. Yeezys. Yeah, or the Wotherspoons. Like, well, yes. Have you seen the new... Um, the new Yeezys that they just showed oh the other gosh. day. Those clogs or the the Croc looking ones. Yeah, so crazy. What do you think about Croc culture? It's like I feel like that's oh, a whole yeah. thing. It is. I like it because it is kind of it's along the uh, like the Carhartt and yeah. Dicky Dickies. Like it is nothing special. It's completely accessible. Yeah. It's what you choose to how you choose to wear it and spin it and play it. You know, like somebody showed up at school one day. And was the cool kid that was wearing Crocs, and everybody's like, "Shit, those are kind of cool," you know. <laughs> when now that you wear it, that looks cool. My, my dad wears it, but it's the same with same with Carhartt. You know, it blows my mind this past couple of years. Like, I feel bad. Mm. I don't feel bad. I feel silly 
walking into like tractor supply wearing my like normal day-to-day clothes to buy a t-shirt yeah. for me to work in my yard on the weekend. Well, Meanwhile, I look like the kid that just got off Music Row is going to Tractor Supply, like, hey, where you keep your Carhartt t-shirts, you know? Yes, with the pocket. It's weird. Yeah. In Europe, the Carhartt's like, um, literally, there's just like a standard Carhartt pocket tee. It's like 70 euros. Whoa. Something crazy. That's It's just like that American, it's that perceived value of a yeah. brand. I mean, it was, it was Levi's. You know, before the world market, like, before the internet kind of closed that gap. Yeah, would you, when I went to study in uh, in Europe. You studied in Europe? Yeah, I went in Italy. Um, when was that? 2002. How old were you? Um, junior year of college, or after my junior year. Wow, yeah. what were you studying? Uh, architecture and culture. Did you major School. in that? No, it was my, uh, I had a scholarship and one of the requirements of the scholarship was everybody had to spend a semester abroad. Oh. I didn't want to go a semester, um, so I just went for a summer semester, whatever equivalent. Yeah. And most people over there studying Italian and uh, actual language, but I had my language requirements, so I was like, let me do the cool classes. So we like studied art and architecture and culture on, during the week, and then on the weekends we'd go on these excursions to Rome and Florence. Uh, wherever, like you name it, the big cities there, mm. and you'd see all the crazy. You'd see all the stuff you, um, yes, you learned about all week. Yes, so you learned about these amazing pieces of art and sculptures, and you show up at the um, the art museums over there. And it's like, oh, that's it. That's crazy. Yeah, you know? seeing the thing. We were just in Amsterdam and was like, uh, went to the Van Gogh mm-hmm. museum. I mean, oh my god, that's a crazy thing. I bet. Yeah. It's crazy now because it's like, like there's memes on that stuff now. Yeah, like classics become funny. Yeah, it's crazy though that sensation because you've seen the pictures a million times and you've seen prints of it. You know, you probably you might have had calendars that had the actual 100%. Uh, the art in your house. Who knows? But it's the physical, like that sensation, just some sort of aura about it, where you're like, man, the guy that chiseled this well piece of art was like in the same area as of this that I am now. You know, Energy. it's like you step into this little halo of like, damn, he touched that stuff. And I don't know, it is it's weird because Do you believe in that stuff of like um like concentrated energy? Like like feeling like I feel it when I go and see somebody play. Like mm-hmm. I feel it before I go into the venue. Like I went and saw Dead and Company on their first tour mm-hmm. and I remember thinking this was two thousand fifteen and walking in I've like felt the band as I was walking into the venue, you like feel the thing I about can, to happen. Yeah, I can relate to that. It's like seeing John Mayer or like Justin Timberlake in concert, you okay. know, because you're like, yeah. man, this is this is music that I've listened to that I'm like totally yeah. affected by. Immersed. You listen to in. a lot of music. Hmm? You listen to a lot of different kinds. All of different music. kinds, yeah. Yeah. But like, you get there and you're like, I'm about to see this in person, and like the the physical. Speakers hitting your chest. Oh, man. You never get that feeling in your car. You know, like well, you never get the. You hear the, like the timber in, uh, John Mayer's voice, and it's like this is a real person. Oh, it's yeah. weird, man. Humanizing. Yeah, that's a big thing. It's weird to me. It works in the other direction too. Like when I found out, not when I found out when you heard, The Rock did like this interview about uh, his favorite country music, and he's talking about Drake White, and you're like, yeah. I like Drake White. Drake White's my friend. You listen to the same music as we do? Whoa. 
It's weird. What interview is that? I haven't heard that one. It was for like people. Okay. Well, it was for something. And it was just like, what's, what song do you like right now? And it was uh, making you look good again. Mm-hmm. Making me look good again. Um, and it's just like, wait, this is the dude we've watched in dozens of movies that my kids like love his Disney characters even. <laughs> oh, and yes. he's listening to, it's like when Chris Pratt kind of brought up Chris Stapleton. Yes, sir. That's a crazy story. Yeah. And I mean, it, you'll see it every now and then like, a celebrity will become friends with, or a, one of our peers will become friends with a celebrity, like Morgan Wallen and Ashton Kutcher. That's beautiful. Weird new one, like Casey yeah. Musgraves getting picked up and Perry's really fun. boosted by Katy Perry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was Katy Perry. I mean, could have be the reason that she's at the level she is, because she was like, hey, listen to this music. This is vouched for by me, my 100 million legion totally. of followers. Oh, dude, like worldwide. Yeah. Um, Country is like very niche. I know. In contrast to world music, it's wild though. Because and it almost is when somebody picks a favorite like that, it's like, whoa, that must be really, really good country music. Damn. And there's some great like you've seen it too. First and foremost, like people. Well, the thing I really want listeners to get here is like the fact of how behind the scenes you are, but like literally, you have been at the forefront of the town changing musically. Like the thing yeah. that you've curated, oh, yeah. like we, you've witnessed. Time-wise, we got we started doing what we're doing a couple of years before a big shift. You know, it was before we've seen the the bachelorette parties and all that stuff come to town, and it, it turned from a um, I don't know. I, it's hard to tell completely because I got here in 2003, and I always kind of look back at 2006 as like, man, that was. That was the best. 2006 was? It what was you come such to town a great doing? time. Did you come town to be a writer? Or did you come to town? Yeah, write wow. and play. And I was... Did you have a deal? I never had a writing deal. Did you want to be an artist? Was that the vibe? Yeah. Wow. I definitely had that uh, desire. And as I got into it, um, I mean, we started... When we started Whiskey Jam, Josh Hogue and I, he's, in his mind, he was like, I always just thought that I would get a record deal and you would get a publishing deal. And what happened was Josh got a publishing deal, and I ended up taking this whole thing over. Um, wow. Yeah. Was it already, uh, so it was already a thing that was happening, or you just started it? Were you working at the bar? No, we were working at um, separate places, just hanging out at that bar all the time. And you just had the idea of let's do free music? Just get our friends together and play. And then it's funny because at the time, like our friends, Josh was tight with Lady A, so he wow. just texts his buddies and is like, hey, come play this show tonight. I'm texting Brad Eldridge, the guy that I go out drinking with on the weekends, and be wow. like, hey, man, come pop in and play a few songs. And so, like, the guys that we were, it would be no different than if I was, uh, if we were all on that level now with wow. whoever it's going to be in 10 years, you know, whoever the person is going to be that emerges as that next yeah. superstar, they're hanging out at Tin Roof on Tuesday afternoons, you they know, are, man. and that was what we were doing. So it was, it just was the, the natural progression. We were, I guess, lucky with the, uh, the talent pool we were dealing with. Like, somebody was going to yeah, pop up out of it. But you, so you, the thing that's, like, fascinating, there's, uh, do you know John Peets, the manager John Peets? Yeah. He, like, found Eric Church, Black Keys, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne. Okay. His whole thing, he moved here, and he wanted to play music, and he realized that that was not his thing. Like, that was not what he was yeah. really supposed to do. And then he pivoted, 
and the idea of pivoting in the music industry, like a lot of people kind of frown on that. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to be an artist, like you gotta go down with the ship. And like, yeah. Or if you know you want to start labeling, that's the thing. Like that's kind of a bad environment to be in. And I notice that a lot in like talks with my peers here in town, mm-hmm. like in my age range. And it's like you have a really successful, relatable story mm-hmm. to doing that. So whiskey jam. You started that, and that was not your main goal. So, like, what was it that happened? It was 2006 where it started becoming like this. Is what I'm going to do? I'm going to feed my family with this. Oh no, the 2011 is when we started, and two, I was just saying 2006. I can look back on that and like know that that was the time when things started really changing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're opening oh, up. Oh, musically, they're just in the town. town. Mm-hmm. They're opening up bars uh, in the suburbs yeah. that were popular, like uh, just kind of showing the shift of where people were living and what was. When they opened Tin Roof and Cool Springs, I was like, no way. Who's going to drive out here it's to crazy. go this far? And then it was like immediately successful because there were people that were tired of driving from the place they could afford to live or the place <gasps> they lived because they worked at Nissan. Yep. And they could now have a taste of Nashville closer to them. And it was like they almost, they didn't revolutionize the social scene here by any means, but it was once again like Tin Roof kind of just saying, hey, we, we have the vision of yeah. what could be um, – that's a great brand, Tin Roof. Oh, man. Yeah, because yeah, it is Nashville whenever you go into it, mm-hmm. even even if it's not in the city. Um, what happens with Whiskey Jam? You, so, how, like, what's, I don't know if that's a clear story for people who, who aren't really familiar oh, with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the... It, to me, it's, like, one of my favorite parts of living in the city. That's a big... That's a cool thing for me with the amount of people we have in town here um, and the amount of people that I would assume are familiar with it since we've been doing almost 10 years but as through the years I've come to realize that nobody knows what it is it's only, it's still a real do you like that? Count, yeah I love it because it makes me uh, A I'm pretty like I would be I feel like, I feel funny when people that I don't know come up and are like hey whiskey jam guy what's up and I'm like hey man yeah glad to see you thanks for Beautiful. thanks for helping out um but I like being able to. I like constantly spreading the word of what we're doing. So I, yeah. If it was the, I don't know, if it was the Grand Ole Opry, you're not going to meet a stranger in town here that's like, what's that? No. You know. No. But everywhere I go, always wearing shirts, hats, whatever. I'm just a brand ambassador. People are like, what is WJ? What's Whiskey Jam for? And I'm like, that's oh. a little music band. We start focus on uh, discovering new artists. Yeah, you know? it is. Totally is. Uh, that excites people that triggers something in people where everybody likes that everybody likes to find out new bands find they out do. new anything whatever it's uh, even if music isn't their thing they they can relate to that totally that hunt especially in that environment it's like the perfect shitty bar because mm-hmm. oh, the yeah. sound isn't great and like I feel like that's been on purpose like you haven't upgraded the place in any yeah. way it's like I mean it's I was at an awesome show last night and the sound was just incredible uh, at War Memorial. Oh, great. It was like, it was insane. The vocals, just even like the MC vocals was so crisp and like in this age of um, podcasts and Mm -hmm. documentaries where the the fidelity of the audio is like so up close and Mm -hmm. you can hear every crackle and every, uh, the the throat noises. ASMR. Yeah, dude. It is, it's pretty, (laughs) there's there's some documentaries I can't even watch because (laughs) I'm like, I know there's another way to uh, to record vocals, and mm-hmm. it's like these people have these such distinct voices. It's off-putting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
Um, yeah, and I was like, man, what if we had sound that sounded this great? And I was like, you know, there's something cool about just the, yeah, it is what it is, you know. Uh, we're not fancy. The lights are, ob I mean, it is They're a Frankenstein of a little bar. Yeah. Uh, everything's uneven, but it's. And it, you're there, like, you set it up. Oh yeah, like that is crazy. Like you understand your your like your your brand so well. You understand the people who love what you do so well, and you're like extremely humble and hardworking. Well, like um, knowing, I think this is important for almost any business or uh, any event that goes on. Knowing from the smallest thing to the bigger picture, you know, you have to I'll know see. every. Somebody come. This guy came in. This summer, I really wanted to be a part of what we were doing. He's like, "Man, this is my dream to, to MC for you guys. This is like the perfect gig." And I was going, "Okay, man, we'll come out to like a dozen shows and just watch what I do. You know, shadow what I do, so you can see good nights, bad nights, what the crowd's like. It does fluctuate. How to deal with the heckler? How to deal with the rainy night? Whatever it might be. Uh, if a and if a monitor goes out in the middle of a show, you know how to fix it. You know, and that's that's a one of the most important parts because technically. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything to help out at like our bigger shows where there's uh, front of house and monitors That's a new and thing, all kind though. of different. I wouldn't know where to connect a cable, but with this thing that we have total control over, I mean, it is inside. You yeah. are. There's never. I'm never gonna be surprised by anything that happens there. I'm never it's gonna your be dojo. caught off guard. Um, and so yeah, I mean, the couple people have done that through the years, saying, "Man, I want to do what you do." I'm like, "Okay, it's totally simple." I mean, it'd be like. Wanting to run a restaurant and walk in a restaurant, and be like this is the thing I want to do. And you're like, okay, well, go like make the go roll silverware for a week and go awesome. fix the like fix the toilets and put paper towels in the bathrooms. You have to know every little thing, and thank God I don't have to know everything to keep a bar open. I just know how to keep this event running. How did you get it to be a? How, what was spreading the word of it initially, or was it so useful to the community that kind of just caught fire on its own? It was necessary at that point. I've been um, kind of referring to it the last few years as just servicing a void. You know, you. there was no shortage of, when I moved to town, no shortage of open mic nights, mm. no shortage of writer's nights, scheduled even. Um, there were very few, if any, events like what we were doing um, and especially what it evolved into. We had we did not intend to, out of the gate, have it like we do now, where if seven bands or seven artists are playing, I assume that we're going to have seven bands a night. You know, it's a very cool, yeah. big, uh, the dynamic is much bigger than a even a house band situation. At one point we were like, well, maybe if we have a house band, they can learn everybody the songs. That works for a couple of bands at a time. Like Josh and I were doing that, sharing a band. Um, but we recognized that Doing, going from that to like another band coming in and setting up like oh dude this is awesome you can't get this anywhere yeah and so at the time like writer's nights struck me as boring I was bored playing them they are boring I never sometimes. wanted to go to them like it's the awkward whole, it was hard to get people to come out to to mine um, oh wow so yeah. environment oh. I kind of distills down to environment totally and yeah. it's like wasn't even the bar like you'd have writer's nights at fun bars that were boring because it's, oh, like uh, the event is boring. Yeah. Um, and when you have three or four guys up in a, in a line and everybody's playing a song at, in a row, if you don't like one of them, you start to dread it. If you only like one of them, you're like, I have to wait through three guys to hear this girl again, whatever it might be. 
Um, there's just a lot of elements to it. It makes the amazing ones even that more special. You know, when you go to the Bluebird and on one of their amazing nights and you catch whatever, David Wilcox or somebody, like, yeah, yeah. that's going to be phenomenal. But if you go to a New Faces kind of thing at... Adolf Aether vibe, yeah. At a... I don't know. I mean, everybody's got them. I can't even... Something about Whiskey Jam is so natural, though. Like, I bring everyone who comes into town there yeah. if they're there on that night. And it's just like, that is Nashville. Because, like, it doesn't matter if you don't dig what's going on. You can still have a good time and be in the environment that is that's yeah. where y'all are hitting it at. That's, I think, the the thing that's kept it afloat yeah. is the party atmosphere. Just it the, is party. The Damn, it is. Have fun. Talk if you want to. Nobody's going to... Right. Look snide at you. I mean, we've had a couple of artists through the years that brought the room really quiet, but it wasn't out of like some reverence to the room. It was out of the reverence to the artist. That's the thing too. Is Whiskey Jam is like a neutral platform. Like it, either you got it or you don't. Yeah, and dude, it's like I've played it more than most people, for sure. You have. I, yeah, I've I played still, with you a couple yeah, times. I still yeah. get nervous. Um, <laughs> playing it and it's like you still get you I feel every time the things that other people feel when they play even if it's their first or 15th time because it's like man the room's constantly changing new people yeah. in there yeah. they don't know who I am it's yeah. funny at this point in time I'm probably way worse off playing than most of the artists because most of these people are on their daily uh, their path is becoming an artist and, you know my daily path is keeping whiskey jam and these things afloat. Daily path, what do you mean by that? Like life mission? Yeah, just like the things that I wake up and think about and the things that I'm focused on doing. Uh, music is definitely, my personal music has taken a extreme third row backseat. That's you know? because whiskey jam worked like lucratively. Right? Yeah. Well, it was, when we when we started doing it, I would, I would play first, Josh would play second, and then we'd have four, five, six acts play after us. Damn. And we did it every week. And it got to the point where we were seeing great acts and people weren't showing up until later on because they knew that they were gonna, it was going to be Warden Josh at the beginning. And so I started telling Josh, like, dude, I don't have to play. We don't have to play every week. You know, we can get up at the end and sing a couple if you really have to. But the attention, I didn't want or need the uh, the attention. I was. It kind of got to... After we did it for whatever months and months, mm-hmm. it's like, dang, what are you expecting to happen? You know, am I expecting a, resi- a different result when I play this song? Is the is the right person going to be in the room that night? That was and your everything. goal, right? To like, well, you never knew. Like that was definitely we had built a cool platform. I wanted to take advantage of it for myself. Like if if other people were getting breaks and whatever, if other people were for, were having good results from playing our show, I didn't want to limit myself or uh, prohibit myself from that happening. Yeah, totally. Um, until it just got where I was like, man, you played every week for six months. Just take a break, focus. And when I did really kind of pull away and start focusing on giving other people better time slots and making oh, the whole wow. thing work better. Yeah. It, uh, so you started, it sounds like you put away some of your ego and you started focusing on other people, bringing yeah, value to them. really was. And it. Wow. part of that came from dealing with so many other people and their egos. How so? Without... Uh, that's fast you see early on I saw a difference in people who were truly passionate about music who had music like bubbling up in their soul mm-hmm. that 
that was just they'd do it they would play by themselves they would get a band together they'd do whatever they you could wherever they could yeah. just because that was like I gotta get this out like today you yeah, know man. and then there were people who really wanted to play because they wanted to be famous mm-hmm. and they wanted to get um, a record deal yeah and they wanted to uh, get they wanted to feel yeah. the admiration that they were probably projecting on their heroes and these people they, they envied or or um, modeled their I don't know looked up to um, and it was it if you look at artists like that it really it stands out uh, to me now because it's like okay there's so many people trying to do this thing do you think more now than ever oh yeah for sure and yeah. it's, it's good for us good for business because we have more people coming to town the the eyeballs on Nashville make more young kids go man I want to be uh, Luke Combs I can do that you yeah know, if, if Mitchell Tenpenny can do you know uh, Luke Combs and Mitchell like they would come like every week and be like yeah. front row oh yeah before they were anywhere I got this great picture of Luke just me taking a picture of the microphone your classic photo yeah, yeah. and Luke's just sitting in the front looking up like Luke Combs yeah like dressed like Luke Combs dude like in a freaking Columbia shirt is insane so like do you <laughs> think you have you've processed this ability to kind of distill like like a litmus test if you will I don't know I feel like we like did Luke ever play oh yeah was it just a ridiculous applause every time he played or was it just normal and humanized his, his is now one of the lit- litmus tests because oh. I never saw anything cra- We he was playing Whiskey Jam on Mondays occasionally he was playing Ten Roof Revival on course. Tuesdays occasionally course, yeah. he was playing there before he, he met that's the only one that rivals not and not even close but like that's in terms of what you would know oh yeah and they they, they definitely started the Arizona um, with a they had their mission chiseled out in stone before as when they started you know they wanted to get back to the roots of Music City they wanted to uh, but it's acoustic it's like yeah it's and it was they. I mean it's let the song freak speak for itself yep. stay quiet like respect yeah. it is what it is it's uh, it's they should be very proud of the uh, brand that they've upheld. Um, and I'm sure they are. But yeah, so Luke was playing there, and then he played here, or he'd, he'd play at Whiskey Jam. I never noticed, like, a incredible epiphany. Okay. Garth Brooks, right. George Strait moment. You know, I didn't. I never thought I was looking at the, the superstar day. that he's become. Yeah. Um, until... Oh, wow. We went to Memphis, and I went to Memphis. I was looking at this lineup yesterday. It was great artists. It was uh, Chris Gilbuta, Matt Warren, uh, Abe Stoklasa. Oh, damn. Kaylin Green, Michael Warren from Miss, uh, from Alabama. Just a bunch of guys I really admired. And yeah. then Luke was one of those that I uh, I was recognizing this. Uh, he's definitely generating a lot of buzz in town. So I was like, let's see. Let's show these people what Whiskey Jam is in a little transplanted situation. So we went to Bill Street. And you had Abe singing Tim McGraw cuts. You had yeah. Matt Warren singing uh, Gary Allen number ones. You had Chris. This Gil- was your Whiskey Jam event in Memphis. Yeah, so we did it at the Tin Roof on Beale Street there. And you—that was your own idea to bring the brand outside of the city. We had done it a few different places, like in Joe's in Chicago, oh, and yeah. um, that's so entrepreneurial. Well, it was—they were reaching out to us. You know, these oh, wow, bars really? in Atlanta. It was that was kind of watershed for us because you see these. The, the visibility of Nashville was on a definitely regional, if not national scale, from these people saying, "Man, what you guys are doing is really cool. It stands out in this, but in this like growing city mm-hmm. as a cool thing. Can we bring this to 
uh, Dallas or Birmingham or wherever. We, we went to a handful of different places. We learned that you cannot replicate Nashville outside of uh, outside of Nashville. The environment. You can right. try and you can get a good lick at it, but man, a huge part of it is the um, is the audience and the the city that you're in. Um, I've kind of over the years developed this. It's a definitely symbiotic relationship. The artist depends on the audience so much, and the audience the audience depends on the artist wow. equally. If is it very uh, a very even balance you know these artists are going to be as as good as they are no matter where they play if they're playing at this whatever rooms in Germantown or East Nashville or wherever um, but you're going to have a different crowd yeah and you feed off that crowd and it's in the uh, wanting to test yourself kind of in that vein it's also in the wanting to impress a, a seasoned group of totally people who uh, probably know more than um than a lot of other rooms in town. Um, but yeah, we were in... Memphis was... Memphis was after we had kind of done some stuff. Several trips to Atlanta, several to Chicago. And we're like, let's do Memphis. I mean, that's my hometown. Oh, that's your hometown? Yeah, and yeah. A, a music city. Tin Roof had opened up their location on Beale Street. It seemed perfect. Um, they were doing some country music events across the street. It was like Chase Rice and Dope, yeah. something somebody else were playing for a Kix 106. Like Lambs and Lions era park. or like earlier? Uh, earlier. Okay. So it would have been 2014. Um, and he played his show across the street. We were doing ours. So the concert, when it let out, they just trickled over to see us. Chase came in to hang out. See, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. He was like, hey guys, I'm, thanks for coming out here. I'm going to go across the street to Tin Roof, one of my favorite bars, one of my friend Ward's doing whiskey jam. So, so like, really cool. even then, like, you forgot, you, like, had this thing where, like, people who are, like, able to influence music, I guess artists, um, they just, like, you, is it because you bring them value? Is it because, like, you have, a, you don't want anything from them? Like, people always, like, give you love. Like, like, Randy Travis was in town recently, and, like, he came yeah. and saw whiskey jam. I was like, I think it really is, it's just the, it's the whole, uh, didn't mean to cut you off there either. No, no, it's the whole dynamic of it. It's, nobody, I don't think anybody can mistake what I do at Whiskey Jam for my personal gain. You Not know, at it all. is I might be up on stage more than some people would like to hear, but I guarantee you it's I'm only up there as long as it takes to set the bands up. I'm not up there to hear myself talk. And, and you're wearing fresh Nikes each week. <laughs> that's that's the one my that's my uh, my weakness, yeah. <laughs> Um, so y'all are in Memphis. Chase comes over. He pushes his event. Y'all are bringing whiskey jam to Memphis. Luke Combs yeah. was playing. So Luke was playing, and like I was saying, all these other people playing amazing songs, number one songs, hit songs, and then yeah. Chris Gilbuta just doing like what Chris Gilbuta does. You know, unparalleled talent. Uh, you could. He's one of those guys that you wouldn't know a single song, and you love every sure. the whole thing he's doing. It's just such a. Uh, that was the kind of talent we were dealing in at the time. Channing Wilson was there. Oh damn. Yeah, yeah, just guys before that you, he was. That uh, hey, listen to listen to what we found. It was really like show and tell. You just want to share with strangers these cool people, and then Luke got up singing, and people were screaming out his songs. So he had fans in Memphis. Oh wow! From North Carolina, up five years ago, that knew every word on all the um, can beer can and, and uh, these these EP and like single release songs. So when. I noticed that like kind of viral following that was huge for me I'm going okay 
that's what I, looking back now, mm-hmm. if we ever had that situation pop up again, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a lot more yeah. uh, proactive yeah. instead of like, hey man, that's so cool, those people know your songs. Imagine if I had spent the entire ride back going, things that seem look pretty cool, you know, like you don't seem to know what's going on. I was in no position to help anybody with either a publishing deal or a management deal or a development, any kind of thing like that. Are you now? We're developing that. Yeah, that's kind of not based on Luke, but based on Luke and Mitchell and Devin Dawson and Morgan Wallen and these just long list of people who become uh, in the top lines of these festival announcements. You know, yeah. you're like, gum, we had... Some of them were just, were a little bit, the they were already on their ride when they came through us. Like Thomas Rhett ah. was, was it Tenerife on, or was it Whiskey Jam when he was 20, 21st birthday, something like that, like a wow. long time ago. And so by the time, uh, he was already kind of on his way, but there's a lot of guys that just come through and, and girls that it's like, I mean, Carly Pierce is a phenomenal example. We mm-hmm. loved Carly. Carly was on anything that we could get her on that would showcase the better uh the best of whiskey jam like mm. when we had little we called small batch reserve at uh lucchese the, the boot store oh i love that they have an upstairs little sound system yeah i mean one time we had it was uh old dominion and carly pierce up in the loft of lucchese boot store like a just some afternoon that's insane it's crazy was Looking that before up, they were yeah oh, that's yeah. insane they were cool like we loved that's another great example. They were a great band. They were called Ramsey before. Um, they were called Old Dominion, named after Matt Ramsey. And uh, they just kind of evolved, and we were cool to them. They could come in and do whatever they wanted. They could change their band members, and they'd always be welcome at our our spot, obviously, just because we loved the, the music. And there's bands that, This is not to say, like, we don't have still favorite bands that... Um, yeah. That have not broken into the mainstream mm-hmm. and that has no bearing on their place in our hierarchy you know Yo, like that is our top yeah. five bands it's probably three of them that you wouldn't have ever heard a song from before but it's like they stand out it might be they stand out in our circle uh, and they might not be able to compete in the, the mm-hmm. arena for the type of music that they're in or whatever but like some, there's a band from Chicago that came down several times and it would just blow everybody away mm. and there's a similar band in town here now it's just a kind of a hip hop funk fusion style thing and it's so unique for Nashville mm. especially any kind of event here mm-hmm. um, that it it stood out as one of our like you could only see these guys at this at our event if they were in town it's um, like you're so inspired by like um People always ask, like, what's it like to... Because I tour all the time, and people mm-hmm. are always asking, like, well, what, what is Nashville? Like, which is such a silly question. But it's, like, the thing, like, a thing that is Nashville is Whiskey Jam because, like, you're so in the pulse of, like, what is new and, like, what is fresh, and that doesn't have to be mainstream country. Yeah. Like, I think you had, like, Jordy Searcy coming on. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that guy. Last week, just incredible. And then incredible. He, but, dude, he's, and he's not in, mainstream country by any imagination. No. Stretch. Yeah. And he's been in the mix for a while. I kind of have a soft spot in my heart for the acoustic um, so, indie yeah. Christian tinged singer songwriter uh, the things that got me into music oh. would have been in that space have you been able to not like straight because I come from the Broadway school of like if something's working mm-hmm. they just go into that extreme and they monetize it to the point of like where the original essence of the bar might have been lost yeah Whiskey Jam does not have that doesn't have that corporate 
nothing wrong with Corey Ray, but doesn't have that thing to it. No. Has that been intentional we, when you're in? Is that guided by your own taste? Yeah. We have definitely um, not, and it might be viewed as um, foolish or not taking advantage or not capitalizing, but mm. those two phrases, like taking What makes you say that? Taking advantage of and capitalizing on just have such a negative connotation to me. Yeah. Um, where somebody could say, like, man, why would you not say, see that this is, you can look at the numbers and see the nights that work and see who's playing those nights and blah, blah, blah. Um, mm. Why would you not identify what makes the money and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze? And I was like, man, we could do that. I feel like we could do that and build a real. Uh, defined brand that we're supposed to be and have an audience that we're supposed to cater to mm-hmm. and uh, artists that fit that mold yeah. but dude it totally um, it would eliminate the mm. magic of hey man I'm a I'm a pop songwriter in town from LA you mind if I get up and sing a song yeah. and I go okay we don't really do that I mean this is a true story so like we don't really do that um but I don't know. You, you seem like you might be able to sing. You have a cool sounding talking voice. What song you want to sing? She goes, well, I'll sing California King Bed by Rihanna. I was like, well, we, see, we so do dumb. like original stuff here. And she goes, no, no, I wrote it. And oh. <laughs> so it was uh, Priscilla Renee yeah. in town from L.A. writing with Chris Stefano. She came out because Chris had said, just come see this cool vibe. She got like compelled by the vibe. And that was one of those people that gets Whoa. up on stage. And I'm up there. That's one of my favorite songs of the last decade, yeah. like of any genre. And so I'm playing, trying to keep up. You're playing, playing with oh, it. playing guitar. Because <laughs> she was like, do you know how to play? Uh, that's how it was. She goes, do you know how to play guitar? I was like, are you kidding me? What do you, What song? She goes, California came out. Like, uh-huh. It just was so weird. But that that, is, is, that openness is what is it. makes it. And she's one of the ones that I'm talking about where like she sings in the whole room and goes, what is this? That is a thing. That I happens. mean, she's like incredible. Um, I've seen that too at the show a couple times. Like I, I've been dozens of times. You see it like every now and then. It'll the be. Songs. I mean, it, it's. Uh, you can see it with the drummer. Like there have been drummers that play there. The people are like, "What yeah. is this? This is so different." And I think that's paramount to what we do. That is uh, being welcoming to anybody. There are some mm-hmm. types of music and things that I get in submissions that. Uh, I'm like, it's just not gonna work, you know. Oh, people real, submit to you like on real, like officially. Yeah. Like a through the um, site is that, is that the hardcore market? emo stuff, screamo. We've gotten Damn. tons of like, we're ready to rock whiskey jam. We want to show Nashville what we're doing. It's like, man, that's just not gonna. We also pride ourselves on being very family friendly, very non yeah. uh, abrasive. You know, there was a band that we love. That has a side project that they want to try out now, and it's really, really, um, it's like satirically offensive, mm. you know, satirizing Nashville at the expense of, at sometimes themselves, but largely our other population. I was like, okay, this is this is funny. You you know it's funny, but we can't really welcome. Yeah, this our crowd's not going to buy it. But you guys continue doing what you're what so your like, other project. You cost know? like brand awareness. Yeah, and that was that came with yeah. um, when Josh and I started. I think part of the coolness and just original, the originality of the event was it was no holds barred. It was if you came in and you looked like somebody like a a drunk 
a celebrity would be like, hey, there's drunk Seth Rogen or whatever, you know. Uh, you would, Josh was notorious for uh, dirty jokes, ripping on people. He had an ability to make fun of someone to their face or on the microphone and then not get mad. Who doesn't love that? Dude, yeah. It was reverse heckling um, or kind of like going to your own roast. And so... <laughs> It was very friendly, like, and half the time it would be people that we were, were close friends with, but that atmosphere made everybody feel like, I don't know, it's almost a locker room mentality where it's like, you might feel con- uncomfortable for a second, but when you realize they're just making fun of everybody, Yeah. and it's all a big joke, yep. it's more it's more like, okay, this is kind of funny, and you laugh, and you know that there's a chance that you're going to get zinged in a second, uh, but definitely limited our audience, and if anything, I've when I took over full control, tried to clean it up, tried to take it from R to PG uh, or shoot NC-17 down to mm-hmm. R. You know, we still we still cut up, have fun. Not much is off limits, but not purposely controversial mm. jokes or subject matter. I mean, we were great at it. I'd come in with just these. We'd, we'd have, I wish we had a microphone hanging on the stage that could have caught the conversations between Josh and me oh. and whatever guests at the time because that's when you would have got the dirtiest jokes of all time and the funniest uh, banter of all time. But anyway, we we had a great thing. I love when Josh comes back in. Yeah, he, he picks it up like he doesn't hadn't uh, been gone a day. Natural. It's your own thing now, though. It's it's totally your brainchild. It has your own thing to it. But I, I mean, you definitely notice now. I. I have families coming up, 75-year-old men, whatever, wow. coming up and saying, hey, man, this is, we just popped in here on accident. This is a lot of fun. You run a great event. You've yeah. got young people, 21 years old. Hey, this is my 21st birthday. We, my friends heard about it. It's fun. You can. There's a way to entertain all those people to hit their little um, excite the, buttons without. What do you think it is? Like, is it? Um, it's just, I mean. It's, just letting them party? Yeah. Like, everybody's equal. Yeah. You know, the, the 21-year-old is, is uh, that celebrating his ability to drink in public is celebrating the same as the 75 year old who just sold his company. You same know, as the players too. Like there's no green room. Yeah, like everyone's down there drinking. Is, I mean, I wish we had a. There's some bars that, uh, even in the family of bars that are owned by winners, um, there's a green room at one of the spots, and it's every time I go there, I'm like, man, this would be so cool if we had this at winners. And I'm like, at the same time, it is awesome that. You just store your gear back yeah, on the stage. Nobody, nobody touches it. it. No one. That's nothing. Like there's one person um, in 550 shows plus at Winners uh, really, it. really thought they'd got their guitar stolen, wow. and I was upset about it because I was like, "This is not not uh, not what we uh, foster here." It turns out somebody had completely innocuously. Taking their guitar, left yeah. theirs. Yeah. So there was an there was the even amount of guitars were all the same. They just taken the wrong case. There's so um, many guitars there on any any basis. <laughs> for anyone who's listening, it's like literally you're we're talking about a packed bar, and there's just drums and keyboards and song notebooks just written yeah. like in the back, and nothing is stolen. Ever. Nothing's ever moved. Now we have to the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like you had a guy who left a guitar there for three months. <laughs> I know, and he texts me like six weeks later. He goes, "Hey man, long shot, but I think I left my guitar at Long Shot at Winners." I'm like, "What did you do after this? Are you, are you just now getting out of jail, <laughs> or how how good could the night be?" Um, but yeah, it, that's the kind of 
place, the, the kind of bar that is, the kind of atmosphere it is, I, I really make a point of thanking everybody in the crowd for being you polite. Did. We've had yeah. very few um, instances of fights, people being kicked out. Really? I mean, single, one hand, uh, and it's so foreign and bizarre. Like, there was a guy got um, got hauled off physically, like, picked up feet and, and shoulders yeah. uh, and hauled off by the... Uh, the security staff and I knew it was such a big deal I didn't even have to ask like what's this guy done I just grabbed on this a part that I could and I was like if, if this is happening this guy has done something really bad you grabbed on to oh, him oh yeah because he, he was flailing and his, I don't know it was what it's See, that's fun. great that that atmosphere is that clear you know and you love it that much oh yeah you're rolling your sleeves up you don't, yeah. you don't give a fuck I uh I shouldn't but yeah, <laughs> I feel comfortable in there. I feel like nobody's going to do anything um, too bad. I don't know. The whole idea of a Nashville brand like being something that's not based around a legacy of Nashville is something that's really fascinating. Like this is new Nashville. Like if somebody wants to get on the point of like where Nashville is going, yeah. the brand and or the culture, sorry, that Whiskey Jam is fueled by that culture is what Nashville is now in some sense. It's like how are you um. How have you been able to like? In what were the things that made you start monetizing it? Like you have the whiskey, you have merchandise, and like you're like ferocious with how much new merchandise you get out. <laughs> and it's like, what is all fueling that? Is that your own creative mind? Do you guys have a team? The the first thing outside of the event was the merchandise because it was, and that came really, really uh, organically. There was a T-shirt, a vintage shirt that I wanted to buy on eBay, mm. and it was three hundred dollars. And there's wow. no way I could pay $300 for a vintage t-shirt. And I was like, well, I'll just use a similar design and put Whiskey Jam. You know, in, in the... Who came up with the name? Uh, that goes way... That goes back before we started our event. I met up one night with a... Uh, I was out every single night. And the one night that I'm home, like in bed, Frankie Ballard texts me. He goes, hey, man, let's go, let's go play some bar that will just let us play for for drinks mm-hmm. so I called I was either winners or tin roofs so I called tin roofs like hey man can we get uh, a bar tab and we'll come in and play for a couple hours and so Frankie and his guitar player and our uh, their drummer at the time uh, it was Eddie Robinson Keo Stroud Frankie yeah. and myself just played and had just we drank more tequila than whiskey um, yeah. had a blast just the real heart and soul of music you know friends who were restless mm-hmm. can we please go out and play a song you know that it's it's awesome that it's it was born out of that like this is bubbling up inside me so much I'm gonna get out of bed Whoa. to go play. I've never done that. It was I, I probably was looking for a reason to get out. <laughs> but we get there, do our thing. The next morning, wake up, don't feel so great, and just on Twitter said, "Hey guys, thanks, uh, Frankie Ballard and Eddie Robinson, Keo Stroud, for anybody else that came out to the first ever Whiskey Jam." What? And what do you mean? You just spat it out like that? I, that was. Whatever, it was just the words that, uh, I tweeted that, Josh Hogue got my tweet like immediately and texted me and said, dude, what is that? And I was like, it's just two words that made sense for what we did last night. They sound so good. Yeah. And, uh, he was like, we got to make something out of that. So Josh is credited with the, um, with the marketing vision or the actual, the recognition of that sounding cool. You know, like I might say things from time to time that just... (laughs) fun words but I wouldn't know to do anything with them so he was like dude we have to do this let's sit down um, we sat down and had 
I think I have the list somewhere. It was all the drummers, all the bass players, all the guitar players, all the art, the songwriters, and then all the aspiring artists. Oh. And it was everything from older established songwriters that could come in and play hit songs. It was everything from touring musicians that played with different bands and knew different. That you could, you could almost take all five of those lists or however many categories there were and piece together one from each. And it wouldn't have been too far-fetched for any of the five combinations to work. You know, Whoa. you could have Frankie playing with this drummer and this bass player and this songwriter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was truly uh, the jam mentality of what we are going after. Totally. And um, when we started that, the first one, Real Gorilla... Um, what year was that? 2011. 2011, yeah. So Facebook was a thing, Instagram was a Facebook thing. Facebook was... Instagram was not... A major thing if it if it existed um, the Twitter was it Twitter was like you'd be at a bar standing next to three other people and you'd all be tweeting each, tweet each other and seeing what everybody else was doing everywhere else that was I think Twitter's like big moment uh, and so we were we even we backtracked from there and we text messages everybody just we gorilla sent, we sent text yeah. out to anybody we knew and it was personal so it was like hey man we're doing this new thing um and so in the age of Twitter being what everybody did all the time, you get a text message from somebody. It'd be like uh, getting a letter or getting a, yeah. a, a paper invitation, you know. Totally. It's like, okay, still we got to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, even, I mean, now even more now, if you were to text somebody and say, hey, I have a show, and you, it was obvious that it's like, hey, man, I miss you and your cool shoes. Yeah. Uh, come, show my, come to my show. We'll party like we did that one time at XYZ. Yeah. You know, like, wow, this person cares about me yeah. enough to – so we did that with all of our – Drinking buddies. So we're like, hey guys, we're we're doing this new thing. You you've hung out with us at Winners before. We're just gonna carry the party over one more day. Um, well, and so yeah, it was crazy. We were driving from Chicago to Nashville, text everybody on our phones, and that night we had uh, a ton a ton of people show up. Probably three hundred people the first night. Why? And it was the uh, Easton Corbin. Uh, the I think I feel like the list has changed in the years kind of the legendizing of it yeah uh, yeah sure Chris Young Love and Theft what uh, Brett Eldridge I believe Kip Moore what several of Lady Annabelle uh, several members of Lady Annabelle um, you're literally just like talking about a Spotify hot mates I know and it was but at that time it was uh, Lady A had Need You Now out damn um and so they were they were years into their career. Uh, I just know it was after that. Um, so they weren't they were out just because supporting. Mm-hmm. But it was like we just got up on stage, played a couple of songs. We said, "Hey, Easton, come up and sing a song." What? You know, hey, uh, if you have a song on the radio, get up on stage right now. You know, and it was it wasn't a big it wasn't what it is now by any. I mean, not even a. You, you couldn't have imagined what it would turn into. So it was just a real comfortable place for artists to be artists. and uh, a safe place. You know, it's like they're in a room full of their peers and they're all, nobody's, it's not like a fame battle. It's not anything like that. It was just people in a comfortable place and it was cool to them and it was fun to see that, like, uh, that freedom of being yourself again. I That sticks out of my mind a lot when I think about the new bars that are opening up in town. And Would you ever open a bar? I don't know. I, I would love to if it was the right thing. And this is one of those ideas like have a place that is so comfortable for celebrities to go hang out. And like, you really understand that. 
in terms of an architectural sense. Like, yeah. Get, but man, like, yeah. making it where it's comfortable for them and still free to the public. Yeah, and not free being, is big. I don't know, man. Like, the Santa's Pub nails it where it's, you can go in there one night and it could be... Roberts. Uh, yeah, who Roberts. Lots of bars on the east side where you can be sitting next to uh, people you just heard on the radio on the way over. It's creating that comfortable atmosphere. Um, I don't know. We we tour with that idea all the time, just looking at some of the new places that pop up. I'm like, man, this is Yeehaw Brewery. is one of our favorite bars in town. We had a vision of Whiskey Jam Bar and Grill. If it ever came to fruition, what it would look like, and it would have looked a lot like that, you know. And it's it's a shame to to see it and go, dang, they beat us to it. Well, but they also, I mean, there's no way we would have that kind of. It would take so much uh, backing mm. to, for us to do that. So, I don't know. I feel like where we are now, being in a partnership with the restaurant group that does uh, mm-hmm. that owns Winners, we've been able to grow it to way bigger than we would have ever done if we had just done it bootstrapped. You know, it took that partnership. Does that explain, like, the out-of-town events that happen? Like, you guys have consistently, like, at Bonnaroo, you do events things like that is has that explained those endeavors or are those events? those are just those are kind of um auxiliary just pop up on their own and it really wow uh we did one in Florida this summer yeah. in florida um we were part of the wild and wonderful fest in west virginia Insane. we did some stuff in chicago and the, the stage at bonnaroo and cma fest those things come Insane. up when it's like the bonnaroo was they had a plaza yeah. Uh, called um, Plaza 7 was The Ville mm-hmm. and so it was everything Nashville related so you mm-hmm. had Bongo Java mm-hmm. you had Daddy's Dogs you had um, merchants in there you had uh, drinks and food that you could only get in Nashville Princess Hot, hot Chicken yeah, yeah. yeah so it was a real taste of Nashville do you like Nashville. hot chicken not to cut you off I like fried chicken I hate hot chicken I don't like hot chicken Man, I, it just, I had a I had blackened catfish for lunch today I was like, this is almost too spicy. Yeah, I just, <laughs> but I love, I love fried chicken. Do you eat? Do you watch what you eat? Because you seem to be really some, healthy guy. Some uh, I, I exercise so I can eat whatever I want. I love to that. The, to the for the most part. You I'll drink a lot of your own whiskey. Yes, I've, <laughs> I drank, I've drank more than my, more of my whiskey than anybody else. I guarantee you. That's been the hardest. Uh, can you like have a to go into? Because How so? With Whiskey Jam, with what we started... Um, y'all got whiskey across town. Y'all got whiskey at bars downtown on Broadway. Y'all yeah. got whiskey everywhere. The the market of music events, you can be competitive your first night. You know, you can bust into a scene and have a cool night at a cool bar with cool people playing it, and you're a player, like, in the in the scene. Bus Call is a great example mm-hmm. um, of a new event in the last couple of years that's popped up. Very well-branded, very well-marketed. Um, and um, gets great artists has a was immediately um, in the competitive sphere. Wow, uh, whiskey you can have a great product with a great bottle and celebrity drink celebrities endorsing it. Yeah, and if you don't have the ability to produce it, distribute it, yeah, market it on the standard level, you know, standard marketing of a music event in Nashville is maybe. Some Instagram posts and social media. So you don't put any m- money into the marketing campaigns for Whiskey Jam? For the alcohol? Um, for the events? No. Really? That's all well, email list and yeah, it's just free. Emails and it's. I mean, it's the size of that bar and the ability or the 
the extent that we've built it to over it the years, runs itself. it kind of limits itself. Like you'll have, we've had huge nights in here. Speaking of Lady A, uh, the beginning of October, they came out yes. for a Warner Chapel night, and it was that's one of those where you break the critical mass of the bar. It's like you have more people in there than are able to. You're able to. Uh, that's insane. Serve drinks to than you're able to accommodate. So if you have whatever X number of people in the bar one night, and you get everybody buying two beers. And the next night, the next week, you have two X people, and everybody can only get one beer. It's the same result. Uh-huh. So I'm not, and this again might be one of those foolish things. I like the feel and the 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 authenticity of that room is important to what we do. And so, like when a guy like you comes in and sees uh, his peers, or you're playing the stage, it feels comfortable, and you want to keep that level of comfortability. You don't want to go into a new place and be like, "Hey, this is." Brand new, hundred thousand dollars sound system. This huge room we got to fill up with now five hundred people every night. Yeah, it was like the Top Golf thing. They tried doing events there. Yeah, and it was just too nice. It's we yeah we did a couple things there too, and it was like you can have the same amount of people as at the most packed whiskey jam, and it's it it really is like humbling uh, for us because you you see your your reach. You know, our mm-hmm. we've maxed out. For the, to the most part, what we can do at winters, but it's not, it, it, we're nowhere close to blowing it up anymore. You know, we're not going to move to a different location because. Oh, what's that like to see your, because uh, do, does your taste or does your vision and your hunger to, to grow the brand larger, does that kind of have to stop there? Or do you have the ability to grow it and make it an empire? I or think we can do goals? a ton with. Merchandise, obviously. Well, even just the. With the Mondays and Thursdays we have at Winners, I think we can. There's room to tweak things. There's stuff that I haven't that I purposely have put off doing wow. because I'm like, we don't have to do that now. You know, when we need to, you're patient, huh? Get people back in. If we're yeah. noticing something that's starting to slide, that's when we can put these uh, renovations into place. Even if it's not a physical renovation, um, just wow. a refreshing of the anything. You know, content, wall color, yeah, decorations, whatever it might be, just something to make it. Uh, fresh while staying familiar. Wow, you have a very macro perspective. Like you, I can tell. Like you think five, ten years ahead of that. Yeah, yeah. Try to, but I mean, looking now, back in 2014, I know I was saying in 2014. I guarantee you because um, I was. That was when Josh started to kind of. Uh, his attention was waning mm. and he was not passionate about it. He was, it was a, more of a chore for him to be there uh, because he wasn't passionate about it. He was passionate about writing, which has paid off uh, tenfold, a hundredfold oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> compared to what he was so doing there. So it's following your passion. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I was telling him back when he was still involved, I was like, dude, we are sitting on something really special. We just have to, we have to let this egg hatch, you know, Whoa, and yeah. making setting some sort of uh, schedule limits so it wasn't just me and my buddies all playing this week and then we have a couple friends and then the next week me and all my buddies and then mm-hmm. a couple new people and then people there's places in town that have been guilty of doing that and it's a great great concept with great artists participating at a great venue and it gets real familiar and you start not I mean stagnating uh, yeah, Music City or Music Mafia is a great example. They were yeah. legendary. When we started, everybody's like, "Oh, so Whiskey Jam like Music Mafia did." I think my, um, my 
I don't want to say the wrong words. Impatience, like commit. I don't know. It's like when you're listening to modern DJs on some of these streaming platforms, you get a lot of this. They're so excited about the newest bands Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. and the new music coming out from this guy right now. Mm -hmm. It's like they're going to, that's going to continue with different artists week to week to month to month. You know, it's like they're that excited about Adele as they're going to be about Kanye, as they're going to be about whoever, you know, Weezer or Pete Yorn or whoever it might be um, at that moment. And I have to kind of say like that, uh, if it was a true disciple of uh, an artist, you know, mm-hmm. if it was, if you're the world's biggest, I can't even think of a good example. Uh, Just an archetype of stardom. What's the? Yeah. What's the one? Um, mm. Bon Iver. Oh, Justin you know, Vernon. Come on. If yeah. you're like a Bon Iver, Man. just. If you're the super fan, you will have a station. You would your station would be devoted to him forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of when I sit down and select music, nine times out of ten I'm picking Jason Isbell because it's comfortable. Oh, it. really? It's just like it's easy. He's never let me down. Um, ah. But there is that part of me that when I'm out in public, I don't I don't want to go to a Jason Isbell concert every week. I want to go to a different concert every Monday and every Thursday. Forever, because I want to stay excited, stay refreshed. Oh wow! Um, Which he jams like five, six concerts in one night. Yeah, and dude, it hit me last night when we were at this Johnny Cash thing. I was like, "This is cool," but it's honestly like, I don't necessarily want to see. Even if it's artists I love, I love Devin Dawson, love Morgan Wallen, uh, Michael Hardy, um, Drew Holcomb, uh, Grace Potter. They were unique. There was a really cool element and moment there uh, to the event. But I was like, man, they're singing songs I've heard before. You know, ah. I, and that it fell into that line though, where you may have never heard um, Hardy sing "You Are My Sunshine" before. It was unique, but you wouldn't go see that show ten times. And I was kind of like, okay, this is why this is why we do it like we do, and this is probably why we, for sure why we stayed afloat this long. We don't have the same people coming back. There's like, yeah, some people may have played. A dozen, 13, 14 times in the 500 and something shows. So if you come to a hundred, you're not going to see the same Whoa. show ever. What a thing. Um, that can only exist here, huh? Yeah, and even yeah. on like it's it transfers over to the people when we do these takeover events when another group comes in and, and gets their lineup together and gets their their friends involved. Mm-hmm. It tr- every year they might have a couple people the same, but it's different, you know, because they're like we're we're evolving too. You know, we got. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the bigger ones we do. Um, Matt McGinn. Oh, yeah. His, all his friends. His, there's kind of stays the same because that, that group is pretty solid. Same with Hardy and the Band of Bros. Like, Don't those, do like Redhead Night. That was a thing. We, that was so funny. Uh, you did like, oh, you think you did like karaoke the other night? Like, that was some an, shit. Animal Night where everybody <laughs> had like, a, it was Ryan Bieber and Laser Snake and uh, I forget all the the different names with everybody's name had an animal part in it. Um, we've done Adam Jam where everybody's name Adam. We've done Sam Jam. Dude, that's so funny. Just kind of really because I'm going, okay, I'm bored. You know, this, this is boring. What can we do to shake things up? How about like a Nike Jam? Guy wearing Nikes. Yeah. <laughs> Anything. Do you Easy Jam? I'm a great thing. Yeah. Easy Jam. <laughs> so if we can get a hold of him. 
That'd be crazy. Man, that that's the kind of thing, like, I say that in jest, but that's the kind of stuff that I hope was stays um, not too much of a, uh, a moonshot to do. It hasn't happened in a few years. Or maybe it has, I just don't. I mean, I, I'm, I'm discounting the fact that multi-platinum, Grammy Award-winning superstars, Lady Annabelle and Brandon They're your Bar, friends, though. A month ago. Yeah. Um, but, like, when we had Peyton Manning in the bar... Get up and sing. Legendary. Legendary shit. Like this, no no joke. That's one you can, lots of people know about that, um, that are unfamiliar with with our event. But yeah, the comfortability of him walking in the back door, sitting down, seeing some people singing, and him going, man, I want to sing a song. <laughs> Who's here? Lee Bryce is here. Shay Mooney's here. Y'all get up and sing Rocky Top. Oh, dude. And uh, Melissa Etheridge, almost a year later to the date, like, just pops in one night, had some friends. Uh, she was in town doing something else with Sonia Lee. Yeah. And Sonia's like, dear friends of ours, and she, you should, if you want to do Nashville, you can go down and see the lights and the bands downtown, but if you want to do like real core uh, people, yeah, like you, you're one of the people, come to Whiskey Jam, and wow. they, she got there, sitting kind of chilling, and it's like, this is a comfortable atmosphere. I want to get up and, and do my thing. So it's like, would you distill that down to just culture? Like, that's the true culture of Nashville. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it's because it's, I mean, it's as honest as, I mean, I, it's so funny that I don't, I say this doesn't ever happen, but it happens all the time. It's just so normal for us now. You know, like, um, oh, wow. they might not get up and sing, but like Zach Myers from Shinedown comes to hang out and watch his friends play that's because so it's comfortable. And I'm like, what are you doing in town? He goes, we've got a couple nights at the Ryman, and this is where you choose to, right? to be entertained. Like, damn. You get Randy Travis has, like... Uh, is very familiar. Everybody there knows where he sits, you know, because he comes to to see the show so often. Um, wow. Because of all the things he could choose to do, all the places he could revisit from his upbringing, whatever it is, definitely uh, the family and the diversity and the complete open, wow. accepted. Uh, what's the right word? Just the the welcoming nature of it. I think it. I think so. It 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 just. Passes all these boundaries and makes people want to participate. Damn, um, it does. Yes, sir. It's a uh, yeah. It's been a interesting getting to that point. What's wow. what I'm looking at right now and just thinking about like how crazy is it that that is normal? You know that yeah. brushing into Randy and his wife. I'm like, oh hey, sorry guys, you're doing good. That just seems to me like picking my kids up from school. Oh, um, dude. But it's uh, that also helps. You know there are. Uh, I think it, that trend that works a whole lot better when Aaron Lewis comes in to the mm. bar and wants to just watch and hear. And dude, not even mentioning like if that's just the effect it has on me. It's it makes me proud to have an event that they're comfortable to hang out at and aren't going to get bugged at whatever it might be. But imagine the kids on stage who, when I'm introducing my buddy the last time, one of the last times Randy was here, I was like, "Hey man, uh, guys, welcome. This is uh, Rich Lafleur." Oh yeah. And I turned and I was like, "Hey dude, don't." Uh, don't Aww. freak out but Randy Travis is over there and he's like what? and so he sings a song watching this hero Dan Smalley saw him before he got up and sang and he was like man do you think I could do you mind if I sing a, a Randy Travis song? I was like that would be so cool I think it would be as natural a cool thing you could ever do at, at our show if any show um, yeah that's the only show like, that could happen at Aaron Lewis in there watching Totally just being a spectator, doesn't want to get up and play or anything, but the kid that was singing gets down 
And Aaron, like in his typical fashion, just kind of like grabs him by the shoulder and is like, listen, man, that second song, he's like, that's you. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you don't sing good or well, that you're not you're not country or whatever. He's like, that's, that's you and that's what you should pursue. And it gets me almost emotional because you got somebody that this guy looks up to, I'm sure, and um, I'm sh- Aaron's been through everything, every mm-hmm. ringer that you could be in the in the business, and I'm sure is looking over from like a paternal, with that fatherly instinct, like, hey kid, mm-hmm. you're gonna get a lot of shit thrown at you through the years. Mm-hmm. No, keep this. You know, if you if you admire me, if you respect what I say, keep that as a little kernel. To, wow. And it'll keep a little a spark to keep your fire going. You curated um, that. Dude, and that's it. I saw that, like, fa- they were face to face in front. I was the third face in this face to face thing. Oh, how cool. So I'm just watching it go down. I'm like, dude, <laughs> how crazy is that? How cool is it that he. Um, this was you. And he just. How many years of fire did he just give this kid? Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. I, I need to be more. I need to look at it through the other people's eyes more often. Um, what a great thing to say, because it sounds like that's all you do. Um, I for the brand. Yeah, it is. That's one of the advantages that I have of being there all the time. Um, you could send out any label in town could send out uh, an intern and take notes yeah. and watch the stage and watch all the artists and um, come back with a report and then go, okay, well this one seems to you really were impressed by this. Whatever you could any label, uh, whatever. The difference would be when I'm there every week, I look at the stage and I look at the crowd because I want to make sure both are happy. And so you're seeing well, when, like tonight, we got our friend Charlotte Sands playing. Okay, yeah. One of the biggest res- visual responses I've seen at our event in the last couple of years is when she gets up and plays and you've got the guys that are here to see the 25-year-old white male country singer mm-hmm. sing the typical 25-year-old white male country songs, which yeah. is totally fine. They've built a... a industry in this town but we see those guys involuntarily dancing mm. and fist pumping and like looking around and see everybody else because of what she's doing yeah and it's probably visible to other people in the crowd but i think i i just stare at it so much every week either it's where i sit on the stage looking out dude you getting yeah uh again that interaction from the artist and the audience is so important and you see like okay this guy could be the you could have the world's best singer that just doesn't connect with the crowd <laughs> But you could have a real guttural, uh, raw, like a Dave Finley, you know, oh. who, yeah. when he sings, starts singing, the crowd just, it's, he's digging into their soul. Like, what do you think, is there a thing that, that, that's like, that is like a behavior, that is like an asset that an artist could have, or, like, is there a thing that always works that you've seen? Like, is there a thing that always has hit people like and you can tell like when an artist gets up there and they do it or is it not that um, legitimate like, humility oh, goes wow. a long way spontaneity goes a long way not in those both of those like the if you get up there you have great humility what's that you have great humility well I mean it's probably from watching the yeah. <laughs> the alternative um, if you uh-huh. if you get up there acting like you're a big deal and uh doing something that's rehearsed like this is what has worked in the past there's something to be said for being well rehearsed and being tight yeah but also not expecting uh the same results in a crowd in nashville that you did that you got in whatever texas totally um 
and the crowd picks up on that. They appreciate. Charlotte's a great example. Charlotte has very authentic uh, emotional reactions to crowds liking her. Mm-hmm. You know, when she when people cheer for her, it's not a. We've seen false surprise in award shows in the last few years. You know, there's some people that expect to win um, and are upset when they don't win and pretend like they weren't expecting it when they do all that stuff so when you do see somebody go like i'm just i'm just up here because this is the only thing that i love doing and the fact that you love this too is like this perfect little marriage um humility is spontaneity well you think talent's a big deal i mean for sure there's uh like over entertainment assets of a personality talent is huge you can silence a room with just raw talent this kid uh that pops to mind cam west came to nashville from south carolina like reached i i reached out to him on instagram because he was he had covered a natalie hemby song that she repo it's just one of his little spiderweb things natalie saw him cover the song he was by himself yeah so he was just playing electric running straight into the board and he so uh this kid you see him on Instagram because Natalie Hemby shared a song he was covering. Yeah, you say because you're entrepreneurial and you're you're just you're just a great mind like that. You say come play the show. Yeah, he comes to the show. It's packed house. Yeah, sets up his guitar, plugs it into the DI. Yeah, just you got these people bringing in pedal boards and different amps and different guitars, and he's got three songs straight in and quiets the room like, you know, nobody does that. And it's it was the I think the just the innocence and the purity of how he got there you know it was a reverence of man I, I just sang a song into my into my phone and the right people whatever people saw it and um, that kind of moment that goes that's a testament to talent he was okay. just innately uh, talented talented it yeah. was really unique um, things that you couldn't teach and it was just a there are those from vo- voice to songs to the spirit, you know, like yes, there's something sir. to if you're making facial expressions and raising your eyebrows and staring people down, trying to get your point across, it might not work as well as like this guy's closed eyes looking up into the lights, like just kind of letting the song sing itself. Humility. Yeah. Yeah. That was that's a wow a testament to how important talent is. Uh, we've started a publishing company here called King Song based on the the uh, phrase we would get to at the end of a lot of these discussions we're talking about artists and songs and this and that it's like at the end of the day song is king mm-hmm. you know you can have really talented artists put out really horrible records we've seen it uh, time and time again whether it's just whatever the combination of uh, elements creates that but uh, yeah. the um, sorry I got lost in the, in the thought um, it's a good place to get lost in yeah, it's like so that. Oh, but the song can rise. Like you can, it. You really can't defeat a great song. Uh, a perfect example right now is that Ingrid Andrus. Um, Meet the breaking more hearts than mine, dude. That song and is it, she's not. Uh, she's a great singer, but she's not cool like, delivery. Yeah, um, it's not a vocal. It's not like a vocal powerhouse thing where no. she's Celine Dioning it. You know, that's. Uh, she even said that at a CMA show. Really? And I'd seen her play. Yeah, it was like a conference. She played that song just like on a cork, like a DI. And it was huh. insane. It's that that song has risen 
a lot faster in comparison to other probably more uh, strategized releases recently yeah. because it's the power of the song where it connects to you. As It's not a girl singing a song about getting broke up with. It's a human painting a picture of a situation that we've all either been in or pretty close to. You know, I'm immediately taken back to going to visit an ex-girlfriend, yeah. meeting her parents, getting to know her family, and we don't see each other, and we haven't seen each other for years and years. Like, yeah. that's the first thing you think of. It's like, oh, that's that magic of they just picked a... They peeled back a bandage that will never heal. Whatever, you know? It's like, it's always going to be there. Like, hello, look at that. Just <laughs> sprinkle a little lemon juice on it. Lemon oh. juice is one stream of that song. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a... That's beautiful. I think that rises up over a lot of the... And not to say, I don't want this to sound like Ingrid's not a phenomenal singer. Of course. But yeah. the song um, is king in that. Uh, it's like if you're looking at somebody's stats, like their power meter, you know. Some the baseball might card? Like, or even like video games. Uh, oh, yeah, even better. <laughs> I, I always think about Nintendo, the old school NES hockey, where you could have like yes. the strong, uh, chubby guy be the good goalie. Mm-hmm. Or like the, the real skinny, fast guy that could get around everywhere, but he would get clobbered by the mid-sized guys. Like, you got to pick your things. You know, if you wow. want to be... Uh, we see very few the maxed out all their meters are maxed out you know you get a lot of people I don't think so yeah I mean everybody's got things that they hate about the most successful uh, that's success (laughs) well dude it's like it's like athletics you know you got these athletes there will be the Michael Jordans uh, yeah that are just honestly really hard to dislike it was him Michael Jordan in athletics was hard to hate you just it was unless you were playing against him there's nothing about him uh I can see people not liking Kobe or LeBron or some of the superstars since then but humility Michael Jordan every quote leads back to humility it was crazy his was like yeah that is a key thing you've touched on there was a likability factor to him too it was pretty um pretty freak but it it got it kind of went away after he got out of basketball because you see the different thing. sides of them yeah um, but yeah there's there are very I mean I don't I can't think of too many living artists that people wouldn't have major issues with there's, there's probably not like subcultures that really don't like this guy I bet there's people who feel way about you oh yeah you know what I mean it's oh, like I mean I'm, it doesn't keep me up at night by any means but I because you're a champion it's I like do you don't think care about I'm like, opinions there's got to be somebody. I, I feel like there's so many people who appreciate what we do um, and this specific thing that we've carved out that there's people that really just don't like it and they can't stand the thought of whatever. And it might be because they don't, they're not able to, to do it. succeed in that model. Do you think it's but like... But dude, I mean, the, yeah. the, anything I would say to a person like that, and which I do, I'm able to say this uh, occasionally, it's like, listen... I have done this, and I have not. I have personally not succeeded in the model that I created. So don't get your feelings hurt if you play this show as many times as I have, and you Whoa. don't get a song cut. You don't get a anything, a meeting. You know, like nothing really productive ever happened out of my personal playing of my personal event. I've never played our biggest shows, like our big outdoor shows, where it's not even a takeover. It's like I select who plays. In front of the largest audiences that we could that we put what, together. What was the largest audience y'all had? 
those outdoor shows you can get about 1500 people in the in the parking lot at a time wow. so you figure through the night we get 2,500 people like cycling through that's the Ryman man yeah it's crazy um, but so like I, I don't put myself in that position so don't get mad at me yeah. for saying I'm keeping you from doing something like I'm not keeping you from doing something I'm just allowing the people that might be more yeah positioned to do it uh, that opportunity whoa man absolute genius that's a good <laughs> that's a great thing beautiful dude man thanks for the time yeah dude it's beautiful is there anything else like I, feel, I, feel like I think we covered it all uh, it's like you all just had your biggest event I got an email about it a couple yeah. days ago like that just happened so it's only going up and it, it is progressing like you, I don't you got some new black hats too like people should go buy the hats oh yeah, yeah and hats check it the brand one of the things insane. we've the merchandise mirrors the events as far as the attention deficit goes where it's like I want different I'll be so excited about this hat this that I'm wearing today I got a cough like and those. then that's insane the, uh, the new the shipment comes in and I'll wear it and I'm like hmm what's next <laughs> we are you stealing ideas from Instagram is that or is like what are you influencing yourself are you into Virgil Abloh are you into those people I, I keep up with the sneaker culture the sneaker culture is driven our exclusivity model where we've okay. tried different ways like you make uh, Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> makes Dude. a bajillion shoes and sells a bajillion shoes to a bajillion people because he's partnered with Walmart and like that's genius and he's making a fortune um, but we don't have any kind of partnership that would reach that kind of people uh, selling the same thing so we have to rely on the um, even smaller than like the Nike models like these Bodega and Kith and the small yeah. shop releases where you you make something unique one time and you sell it and you sell out and you never get it again. The and we make small batches and we just we've recognized some staples through the years. It's like okay we'd be dumb to not make as many as they wanted to buy. Wow. But for the most part it's keeping um, it's keeping our core audience engaged. Uh, I recognized pretty early that I was not going to sell five times as many people the same shirt versus one person five different shirts you know if somebody really likes us they'll say man I love this one you should do it in black with red and we did and they bought that one too you know and then you kind of you make them they'll go out of print for a couple years we did that last this year we had a two year old real cool design that we just hadn't done in a while and dropped it it was like boom gone finally I get it I get it now but if you if we had it available all the time there's no exclusivity. That's transfers to artists too. This be if any uh, advice I can give on this platform to any artist maybe listening. Yeah. Creating a sense of urgency is in town here and in any town you're playing. But I guess most people base out of Nashville. That is the, one of the most important things you can do. There's a lot of options, a lot of places to play. I'm not saying this so you only play whiskey jam. I'm saying this so you maybe don't play whiskey jam. If there's an opportunity for, and there's extenuating circumstances, if you're in town from Sweden and you want to play as many things in town while you can, of course. go for it. If you're in Nashville and you live here and you're yeah. trying to achieve a goal of making people excited about you, yeah, make it to where it's exciting to see you. You know, don't do a blitzkrieg five day, one week writers round. Uh, you're hitting all the spots because. Create a sense of urgency. You know, make it urgent to see you on Wednesday night. Like the, Whoa. if you want to see me, if you're remotely interested, 
this is the only chance you get to see me. Because if you do three shows in a week, anybody who's kind of oh, I'd love to see them. Maybe I'll check them out this night. And they miss that night. Like, well, there's a couple more chances. Yeah. And then they end up missing you overall. Well, that's wise, my friend. It, it is. I mean, we, we learned that uh, the hard way doing Whiskey Jam in Chicago. We went up there and we'd go up every month. And we noticed our crowds just dropping, dropping, dropping. It's like, okay, uh, there's no urgency. We're going to, if you miss it in February, oh, don't worry about it. We'll catch it in March. So will be back before we know it. So it's like, okay, let's do this every four months. Mm-hmm. And then if we miss this, it's going to be a different season when they come back. You yeah. Know? Like, this will be, it'll be a winter before we get You're a different person every four months. Yeah. yeah. Like, but I see it a lot where people want to just bang, 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 play as much. And it's, it's hard to uh, throttle that excitement, especially new kids in town, especially people that have new records out. Uh, yeah. But there is value to patience, strategy, uh, getting the most out of your energy, you know? Getting the most out of your energy. That is like, that's so smart. It's You've the, learned that. Yeah, it's definitely being efficient um, with with your whole thing. It's, it's just a different game. And I, hardly, I can hardly speak intelligently on it because any sort of game that I was failing at as an artist when we started doing this has changed com- uh, entirely. There was no Spotify when we started Whiskey Jam and so artists coming through um, trying to achieve these short-term uh, goals like we were in the early days. This is a whole new set of short-term goals. You know, like wanting to get playlisted. Playlisted was not a word. There wasn't a verb, man. No, it wasn't. There's been new verbs in, oh, since yeah. I've started playing music. So, yeah, it's like. I can't speak too intelligently on it, but just the overall um, concept of using your energy most efficiently and. Whoa. Um, Being aware of your consumer. Mm-hmm. Don't flood them. Yeah. Man, it's tough, though, because you can go back and forth like. I know. <laughs> Because y'all do do it every week, but like, there still is an urgency. Yeah. Well, we ben- we benefit greatly from the uh, turnover in Nashville of people who yeah. spent the weekend here and are staying over Monday night or start their trip early on a Thursday. I used to uh, start a couple years in just going, hey, man, who's here? Whiskey Jam for the first time. And you get a couple hands, and then yeah, like it got to, like, who's here from out of town? And you have um, dozens of guests tonight. So it's funny. I mean, you... You are educating. Is a it's a balance. I'm trying to not bore the person who's been there to twenty, mm. but also educate the person who's the first time that's in town from Minnesota on what we're doing. Um, wow, which is a cool little balance. But I think I've gotten good at it. Where it's like you're a pro. Yeah, you focus on that very little. Like I say my name. I, I introduce myself maybe once every three shows because I'm just you don't give a fuck. You forget about it. That's not the yeah. point. The point is everybody it's have great. a good time and. I don't know if the if explaining what the event is import, is important. You can kind of feel it and you can see it. Um, yeah, but, read the room. Learn. Yeah, yeah. Don't be so caught up in your own ego to where you got to give them the spiel they don't want to hear. Yeah, and not take. You do. You got to give job. them enough. Um, I'm I'm learning every week from our guests. You're still learning. Oh, dude. Never stop learning, dude. From the people in the audience, they're teaching me when to shut up. Like they'll tell you out loud. I yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you get enough whiskey. Play some music. It's like, huh? Do you want to get up here? No. That's, that's one of my things I struggle with is not speaking freely to the hecklers. But learning from the the artists, especially just the ones that are comfortable with the crowd and that talk to the crowd like it's just them hanging out. Uh, I try to pick up as much from them as possible. And the ones that 
leave the crowd going, who's this guy? What was that? That was, I loved it, but I don't know anything now. <laughs> you know, I just know that I like this. Whoa, that is a good way to create urgency too. He's like, give them what they want and then like, don't tell them yeah. who you are. That's a great platform. Like Whiskey Jam's kind of, it's hard to find out who they are. They got to go see you on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, that's a real thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I could talk all day about it. Hey man, this was fun. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Yeah. Y'all go check out Ward and Whiskey Jam. Check out everything that they're doing at Whiskey Jam on Instagram. New merch all the time. Live streams all the time. Fantastic YouTube content all the time. Uh, they put out a vinyl not too long ago that uh, I have a song on. Really just a fantastic uh, culture, uh, or sorry, community to, to follow. Just really, I believe in Ward and everything that he does. And you go check out the new series that he's launching with Apple Music coming up. Uh, what are we listening to today, right? Okay, so we're listening to Cumberland Blues, an infamous, famous uh, version of, uh, of Europe 72. Right now we're listening to uh, Stay All Night, Stay A Little Longer, the Bob Will song by uh, the cutoff Willie Nelson did off of, uh, I think, Shotgun Willie. Uh, and then the song that was playing on the intro uh, for Ward was a song called Jesus is a, I think, called a Tired Bedmaker by John Fahey. John Fahey's an incredible acoustic guitar player that just has really amazing acoustic tones. It has, like, that vintage Nick Drake-era acoustic tone vibe. It's not like this hyper-modern, really efficient acoustic guitar tone. It's almost eerie and sounds weird. Sounds like a Tim Burton movie. Um, so if you're into, like, that Tom Waits feel of acoustic guitar but played really well, John Fahey's awesome. Go check out the new Cosmic Country record. We're about to hit 200,000 streams. Um, we are we are literally on some of the dream playlists that I listen to all the time when I'm running with my pale legs for four miles a day and doing 100 push-ups because I'm afraid to go to the gym right now. Um, we are on the Indigo playlist on Spotify. We are on Fresh Folk. We are on Pulse of Americana. We are on New Music Nashville. Um, I want to thank my distributor, 1RPM, because we're killing it. But most importantly, I want to thank the Cosmic Country fans because you guys are slaying it by listening to the music and putting on your playlist and being just fantastic listeners. Um, Some people who were involved in the initial part of this project didn't want to put it on the streaming, but I fought for it. We're on streaming. I want to thank you guys. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Subscribe to the Cosmic Country Club. Stay positive. Stay cosmic.